Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is worse than that ugly Christmas sweater your aunt gave you. At least you only have to look at it once a year. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always jolly Pipes Magazine radio show holiday editions. Uh, I am your host, Brian Levine, and it is Tuesday night in a uh, wet and rainy Concord, North Carolina in tonight's show in Pipe Parts. going to continue the Christmas shopping stuff with uh, reading material. And then my guest tonight is uh, pipe maker Jim DeShane, uh, mailbag music, and uh, you know what, for the holidays I think I'm going to kill the rants and I'm going to find stuff to uh, rave about for the next four weeks. So there you go, all that coming up tonight, uh, plus uh, don't forget holiday music. Yep, holiday music, because we're uh, switching gears for the holidays. Um, hope everybody had a good, safe, happy Thanksgiving weekend. I will tell you that... Uh, and a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, for the first time ever, went out shopping on Thursday night because we had a relatively quiet uh, Thanksgiving day and we were able to uh, go to the uh, local big mega mall and uh, got over there, I think about 7.30, 8 o'clock. And uh, quite, uh, quite entertaining and relaxing considering we weren't in any rush to really get anything. Didn't, you know, bought a few things, but just had a good time walking around, enjoying uh, people watching Stayed out until uh, I think I finally got to sleep at about 2 a.m. Then the following, uh, the next day on Friday, got my uh, got my Mini up on uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, took her around the track for two and a half laps. <laughs> Managed to make almost 100 miles an hour down the backstretch, but uh, couldn't quite open her up all the way that I wanted to. And then, uh, yeah, Saturday and Sunday, decorating and doing all that stuff around the house. On uh, Sunday, when we were packing up, our uh, daughter was uh, home for Thanksgiving week and uh, packing up her car. We're outside in the front yard packing up the car, and right out of the woods next to our neighborhood comes flying right down the street this big, gorgeous bald eagle. First time I'd ever seen one in the wild. First time we've ever seen one in our neighborhood at all. But this bird had to have like an eight-foot wingspan and just cruised about 100 feet above the street, straight down our street. It was uh, incredible, uh, quite a sight to see, and uh, you know, wish I had a camera, but hey, <laughs> we were packing up a car. We weren't exactly uh, thinking about taking a picture of a bird flying by. All right, let's get the show rolling, everybody. Uh, take a break from the chaos of the holiday season sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in thank you to the mcbaron tobacco company and here we go i'm jeremy reeves head blender of cornell and deal pipe tobacco company since 1990 cornell and deal has been producing high quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Welcome back. All right, the holidays are coming up. We're, uh, what, four weeks away? Eh, four and a half. Um, no, four weeks. Oh, whatever. Anyway, as the holidays are coming up, and I'll continue through with some gift ideas, some simple, easy gift ideas. Uh, Pipes and Tobaccos Magazine. Uh, you can go online to pipesandtobaccosmagazine.com. A subscription is four issues a year. In addition to that, 
they have a back order sale going on right now. Choose two issues for $10 or eight issues for $20 plus $5 shipping. So if you've missed out on any of the back issues that they have available, perfect stocking stuffers, perfect gifts for yourself. It's Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. If you smoke a pipe, well worth it. Four great issues a year, and we've had Chuck Stanion on, so go back and listen to that episode, and you'll hear more about the magazine. Uh, the other uh, organization that I highly recommend supporting is the naspc.org, and they have an annual membership, of which part of the membership is you get six issues of the Pipe Collector. The uh, Pipe Collector is a, a newsletter-style uh, stapled um magazine that comes out six times a year full of wonderful uh, pipe discussions some fiction poetry all kinds of stuff about the hobby that we all love and we've had rich esserman on and you can read all of rich's uh, writings in there plus i believe they may have some uh, back issues for sale as well there uh in addition to that uh downloadable is uh Pipe Smoking in Middle-Earth by Mark Irwin. It's uh, a book about pipe smoking in Middle-Earth. And uh, Regis McCafferty's latest book, The God and the Gold, that uh, Regis's uh, character is a uh, pipe smoker. And then they're working on a couple other things, so you definitely want to be a member there. The other books that are perfect, and uh, probably since the last time we've talked about... Uh, books has been a couple of years uh, but since then uh, Kamoy's Blue Rye Band, there's a gorgeous book put by, put together by Neil Rohn about the uh, Blue Rye Band of Kamoy's uh, not quite a stocking stuffer but quite a uh, hefty tome if you, if you want to consider it that but there's uh, a book about the three generations of Iverson pipe makers um I'm just skimming through uh, SmokingPipes.com's website right now, looking at their book section. And of course, all the books from uh, Gary Schreier in the uh, Briar Book Press are all there. Uh, ben Rappaport's book on uh, tobacco and smoking among the blue and the gray, right there available. Uh, pipes, books, sitting down with a book, sitting down with a pipe, there is nothing quite better than doing that. Uh, the other thing that I think works really well with uh, pipe smoking, and if you're looking for somebody who wants uh, some fiction, obviously the original uh, Sherlock Holmes novels are absolutely perfect to sit down with a pipe, relax, and enjoy uh, reading those. Um, I'm working on a guest that will talk about uh, J.M. Barry, but uh, his book, My Lady Nicotine, if you can find a copy of that, those are great. Um, other pipe smoking related things that you can look for, uh, Norman Rockwell. Rockwell was uh, always putting pipe smokers in his uh, Saturday Evening Post covers, and I've seen some tabletop books of Saturday Evening Post covers that uh, all Norman Rockwell, great to know reading in them, but hey, still fun to sit back and you know just enjoy them. So there you go, books, magazines, a couple of memberships. You know, when we're uh, when we sit down with our pipe and we don't want the uh, the boob tube on or music in the background, there's nothing better to me than sitting down in my uh, reclining chair and enjoying a book or a magazine. Or the minute the NASPC's pipe collector gets here, I tear it open and start reading through it, and it's just a great couple of hours sitting back with it. So. There you go. Any other ideas or suggestions, please uh, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page or email me, brian, at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a minute, Jim will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named 
great outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and we're going back to back to the a neck of the woods that I'm really familiar with from my uh, from my pre pipe smoking days, um, pre smoking anything days, but going up to Northern California for a uh, family affair of pipe making, but we only get one of you. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Jim DeShane. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I made sure it's DeShane, not DuShane. That's how we pronounce out out here in California. Down the south, like Louisiana, it'd be more like DeShane. Yeah. 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 All right, so tell us, uh, where did you you grow up, and uh, what did you want to be originally when you were growing up besides uh, making pipes? I grew up in the Bay Area in California, over in the East Bay. And I wanted to be rich when I was younger. <laughs> How's that working out? Uh, not quite there yet. Still working on it. Okay, good. All right. So, uh, I mean, so did you go through high school and everything in the in the Bay Area? Yes, I, I lived down there till I was 23 years old before I moved up to Auburn area. And for those that don't know, Auburn is like the last real town in the Sierra Nevadas before you get into uh, the Reno Lake Tahoe area. Yes, sir. We're between Sacramento and Reno, and uh, we're above the fog and below the snow. Perfect spot to be, um, depending on what you like, though. Yes, sir. All right. So when when did you uh, when did you start smoking a pipe? I started probably about, uh, well, you can't really count it. When I was a kid, my dad smoked a pipe. I loved the smell of it. And my brother and I swiped one of his corncob pipes. <laughs> and we stuffed a bowl. Of course, we put too much in there. and It was too tight. We lit it up and burned the heck out of our tongues. And so that cured us. We didn't smoke cigarettes or anything else for years. <laughs> but uh, I would say probably roughly 23 years ago, uh, my nephew was born, and uh, my brother called me up and told me, so I went down to the local tinder box in Sacramento, which is now closed, and I bought uh, a dozen cigars, and, of course, I had to pick up a Stanwell when I was there. I just couldn't couldn't pass it up. It had beautiful grain, nice diamond shank, brandy bowl. And uh, I started then. I, I tried and smoke it, but I never knew how to pack it. So I mainly smoked cigars for 23 years or excuse me, for about 20 years, and then I'd dabble with a pipe each year. I'd pull it out two or three times a year, try and smoke it, burn the heck out of my tongue, put it away, try it again, you know, six months later. And then uh, I would say about three and a half years ago, I was in a local uh, tobacconist with a bison cigars, and I was checking out the pipes, and I've always loved the, the smooth grain pipes. I love, love the grain on them, and being a, a, a woodworker and making uh, bowls, candlesticks, humidors, jewelry boxes, things of that nature, I'm always drawn to the grain and drawn to the pipes. And so I was in there talking to the owner, and he said, you know what? He says, next time you come in, bring your pipes. I'll teach you how to pack the pipe. Uh-oh. And I told him, well, how about I buy that Peterson right there, and you, you show me how to pack the pipe. And he says, sure. So he lit up a cigar. I lit up the pipe, and he, he taught me how to toast it, and then – taught me how to tamp it, and then I lit it up and smoked it right down to the bottom, never had to relight it, and I was hooked. From that day forward, I've pretty much been married to the pipe. 
Now you you said that you you've got a background in woodworking and were you, were you doing that professionally? No, sir. I was doing it as a hobby. I got into it in high school. My grandfather and my father were in, into woodworking, and so I inherited my grandfather's uh, woodworking tools, and I just loved it. I, I made sconces for a project in uh, high school, made candlesticks, different things like that, checkerboards, different things, and we've always kept up with it. And I was smoking cigars quite a bit, and I had quite a collection, and I had four store-bought humidors. And I wanted to put them all into one, so my dad and I made a real nice one that was probably about two feet long, a foot wide, and a foot tall, and I could get almost 400 cigars in it. Oh, wow. And so when the guys at the local shop saw that, they said, hey, can you make a few of those for us to sell? And we started doing that, and we sold a few of those and some jewelry boxes and things of that nature. And then I got into pipe making. All right, so how long had you been smoking a pipe when you decided, you know what, I'm going to try making one of these? I started out started out with a, with a couple of, of the larger company pipes, production pipes, and then I started going to artisan pipes, and I bought a few uh, Mark Tinsky's, uh, Mark Balkovic, and... Uh, then I got into some Costellos, and I was probably about six months in, and I already had probably about 15 pipes, and I, I looked at Dad, and I said, you know what, I think I can make these. So I ordered up a couple of pre-drilled blocks from Pimo's, and they came in, and while I was at work, Dad decided he was going to carve up some pipes, so he used those blocks. <laughs> so I thought, well, I guess that's going to go on the back burner. So I... I Dad and I were getting ready for an elk hunting trip back to Montana. And I bought a few Martinsky pipes off his website, and he sent me a real nice email thanking me for purchasing the pipes. So I was on the back porch. I gave Dad his pipe. We were breaking them in before, before the trip. And Dad says, you know what, you ought to contact Mark and see if we can see how his shop's set up and see what kind of tools we actually need because the blocks he carved up with the tools that we had at the time didn't turn out real nice. They were... A little rough around the edges. Yeah. So we, I contacted Mark. We got a nice visit, and we talked a few times, and he said, you know what, while you're back here, because you're only about 45 minutes away, if you want to give up a day of elk hunting, you can come on over and check the shop out. So Dad and I agreed to it, and we went over there, and, of course, the day we decided to go over there, it's snowing like crazy that morning it started, and by the time we got to Mark's house, there was over a foot of snow on the ground. And Mark couldn't believe we actually came over in that kind of weather. <laughs> and we went to his shop. He threw some briar in a potbelly stove and started that thing up. And uh, it was just picturesque. It was beautiful. That's, you couldn't write a story about it any better. Now, can you do? Uh, can you hunt elk while it's dumping snow like that? You can. It's not very fun, and they go very quiet. So it's more spot and stock when it's snowing like that. You, you can't hear them, and you really, you're looking at the mountainsides trying to find them and trying to get to them. They're more uh, interested in getting into the trees. So you weren't going to do much elk hunting anyway, so you may as well have gone to Mark's. Uh, and then, so you had a chance to see what the, uh, what, pipe making tooling look like compared to the compared to the equipment you had yes sir we got to talk to mark a little bit and mark's mother-in-law and sister-in-law were visiting and they were staying at another ranch and he had to go get them to bring them over so he looked at looked at me and gave me a block and said you want to make pipes here start on this show me <laughs> what, you, what you can do wow. and he took off it and I was like, oh, okay. My dad says, well, I don't feel comfortable working in the shop when he's not here. And I said, well, I kind of feel it's like a test. You know, I, I got to, you know, do something here. So I sat down and started freehanding a, a shape that I had in my mind. And Mark came back probably about an hour later and looked at it and said, yeah, it looks real nice. I, you know, changed this, this, and this. And he said, uh, start uh, going through the different grits and, and smooth it out. So I did that. And uh, afterwards, Mark looked at it and said, that looks nice. Let's put a stem on it. So we went over and he showed me how to stem it. And we got done with that and went over and he went through the whole process of staining it and 
buffing it, waxing it, and got it all done, cleaned it out, and I gave it to my dad, and he stuffed it and smoked it right there. So, wait a second. So, you order these blocks, they get home, and your dad uh, hijacks them and makes pipes out of them, and then you go up to Mark Tinsky's place, and you're working with him, and Mark says, here, make a pipe, and then your dad hijacks that one, too. Dad... Dad has what I usually call the dibs rule. If he sees a pipe that I'm making that he likes, at any time he can call dibs on it, he actually gets it. So he has a nice collection of probably 30 or 40 pipes. <laughs> so, but he's also the one that had the experience in all the in all the woodworking and taught you everything you know. Yes, sir. He gave me my start, and I, I don't begrudge it at all. And I love him, and he can have whatever pipe he wants. Uh, now, is pipe making your full-time job? No. I work for a local utility, and I'm a welder by trade. And I was a welding foreman for them on the gas lines. And recently, probably about, I'd say about a year and a half ago, I took a job inside as a uh, resource coordinator where I actually go out and set up the jobs, talk to the contractors and the customers, and get it all ready for construction to show up and do the job. So you've, you've got a real executive-style job, and then you get to go home at night and play with pipes and all the other woodworking. Yes. I think of it as having two jobs. I put in 40 hours a week at the day job, and then I put in probably 30 hours a week making pipes in the evenings and on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, and it, and it seems like to me like all your life you've always been working with your hands, so it must be nice after sitting at a desk all day or doing stuff like that to get home and actually work with your hands again. Yes, definitely. I get a feeling of accomplishment when I get done with a pipe and I look at it and think, all right, I made something. <laughs> Instead of just making a bunch of emails. Um, but uh, that, that and a mess. Yeah. Um, when you were, so after, after you visited Mark, was there a part of the pipe making process that was the hardest for you to get a handle on? I fought the drilling at first because I only had a, a wood lathe and a drill press. And so it was different trying to make the pipes and I didn't have the, the, the correct bits and the spade bit for the, the bowls. And so I had to gear up a little bit. I had to get, uh, some, some buffing machines, a, uh, sanding, um, a different motor with different sanding wheels. I ended up getting a, a metal lathe, a nice Jet 920, and a couple other tools. But once I got tooled up, it it makes a big difference. Yeah, all right. Can I'm, you... I'm very thankful to Mark. Uh, Mark really helped me out because the first six months, I, I bought all the spare blocks that Mark had. I bought a bunch of pre-made stems from Mark, and then I also... Uh, called him and talked to him probably three times a week with problems. And for getting the tools I need, he, he told me to talk to Tim West. I called up and talked to Tim West. He got me lined out with the proper tools that I needed. And I talked to uh, Mark probably three times a week. And then I turned around and talked to Tim West probably at least once a week because I screwed something up. And with his repair background, he had different ideas on how to do things. So it helped out. And I, I learned how to fix things that I screwed up. So between those two guys, you had about, I don't know, what, about 80 years of uh, pipe working, pipe repair, and pipe making experience kind of uh, guiding you on your way. Yes, sir. And then also, probably, it was six months in, I'd run out of briar. I was a madman the first year. I, I put in close to a 1,000 hours making pipes, and I made 120 pipes. And after six months, I ran out of briar. Mark didn't have any extra, so I started looking for briar. And I found out that Chris Morgan was selling some briar, so I contacted him. The first first visit we had, I was talking to him on the phone for probably three and a half hours. And Chris and I, from then on, we just struck up a friendship. And we've been talking a couple times a week, every week since then. And Chris agreed to take me under his wing, and I've been working with Chris Morgan for the last two and a half years. Wow, so you, you got some uh, serious experience behind you. Uh, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about, uh, I got a question about lathes, and then we'll talk about shapes and all that other stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. 
My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting. Let me try that in English. Visiting with Jim DeShane. And uh, Jim, you mentioned the difference between a wood lathe and a metal lathe. It would seem like to those of us that don't know anything that a pipe is made of wood. It should go on a wood lathe, but everybody wants a metal lathe. What what exactly is the difference? There, there are different types of machines. Uh, wood lathe... I'm different than most uh, pipe makers. I make all my stumels on the wood lathe because I'm used to using the tools for it and drilling off of it and shaping off of it. I make my stems and do the final fitting off the metal lathe. Okay. Most people can't afford more than one lathe. They're very expensive, and I already had the wood lathe, so I don't have to. You know, I didn't have to make a purchase for it. I went ahead and I, I bought the metal lathe. And I'm just more comfortable doing it with the wood lathe. The metal lathe is, is a little more precise on measurements and the way it actually operates, whereas I'm freehanding with tools to cut in the stool. On the metal lathe, you actually put the tool on a rest, and you work wheels in different directions, and that moves the head in and out of, or excuse me, the tool in and out of what you're working on, whether it's the stem or the, the stool. All right, I got it. And the lathes also, they're not real small, so you got to have a pretty good-sized space to get to in a, in a workshop. Yes, I can pretty much turn around in mine. If I try and move too much, I'm going to bump into something. <laughs> now, is there, a, uh, is there a shape of pipe or a style of pipe that you prefer to make? No, I, I love them all. I, I love the, the Danish pipes. And I also love the classic shaped pipes. So I, I try and make every kind of different pipe there is. And then I, I tend to kind of change them a little bit to make them my style. Your, your colors are uh, distinctive. And, uh, and I'm guessing that goes back to working with wood, but you've got a... A, a really nice light orange glow to some of your pipes. Is that something that you worked on for a while? Yes. I, I try to bring the grain out as much as I can. I love the look of the grain, especially on the smooths. And I'm learning to, to appreciate the blast and the rusticated pipes more. Most of the pipes I smoke are blasted pipes because I'm smoking mostly, mostly shop pipes. Yeah. And, uh, the colors, I, I prefer a, a bright colored pipe. I make them in all colors, black, chocolate, dark brown, tan. But mostly I'm trying to get the color, the, the grain, whether it is blasted or smooth, to get the grain to pop out. All right. Now, before we, uh, when we were talking about having you come on the show, you said you'd heard the thing about me talking about the bottom of the bowls and the, or at the bottom of the tobacco chambers, and you, and you have an explanation for why sometimes a bowl or the the tobacco chamber is dead on flat. Uh, so, can you fill us in on that? That's the type of drill that they're using. You have the acorn shaped type of uh, a bit that actually looks like an acorn. It comes down to a point. You have the U shaped ones, and then the flat ones. Most of the time, they're like a silver dimming bit that drills a square hole through something, 
Um, some pipe makers use those, but they tend to grind the ears of them off to give it more of a U-shaped look. For production pipes, I don't think they really care. They just use the regular bit until it wears too much. They chuck the bit and they put a new bit in there. And, of course, we all know that having that little U-shape in there makes it a little easier to smoke as I fight with the pipe that I'm smoking right now to keep it lit. <laughs> <laughs> it allows the smoke to roll over the edges and down the sides of the bowl and towards the draft hole. Uh, and you and your dad work together in the shop on pipes? We started off doing that, and Dad made about a dozen pipes and decided, you know what, that just wasn't what he was into. And so he went back to doing his leather work, and then he wants to do more uh, tampers and pipe stands and things of that nature, but he ended up getting a puppy uh, a couple of years ago, and it's a lab, and he needs a lot of work and a lot of attention. So Dad spends a lot of his time either walking the dog or throwing the bumper for him and entertaining the dog. <laughs> so he can't get out in the shop as much as he'd like to. <laughs> so, so, so you got a very young brother that's got uh, four legs and a tail now. Yes. <laughs> um, is there a shape of a pipe that you're that is just yeah you know, one that you're still working on, or a shape that you're not real thrilled with what you're doing on it yet? Not yet. Usually, I, I try a different shape. I'll usually grab three blocks, draw them out, and then start on it to try and narrow narrow down what I want to do. But the blocks themselves tell you what, what they want to become, and so it, it seems like every pipe I start out making, it, it tends to change a little bit, whether it's because of the blemishes or the grain. It just tend to morph. <laughs> So you're you're at a mercy of what the wood wants you to do with it, not what you want to do with the wood exactly. Yes. All right. Here's my favorite pipe maker question: uh, What part of the process is your favorite part? I love making the, the stew molds on the wood lathe, pulling out the turning tools and, and working on them. I, I enjoy that, and then taking it over to the sanding disc and working on it, and the pipe emerges, and you start seeing the shape. And the uh, and the other side of it is, uh, what part don't you like the most? Stem making, because I'm not fast at it. It takes me just as long to make a stem as it does to make the stumel. And that and that's probably because you're also making a pretty detailed. Yeah, finished stems off of them, too. Yes, sir. On the website, which is jdsmokingpipes.com, the letter J, the letter D, and then smokingpipes.com, it talks about that you use both Plateau and Abishon blocks. Are you getting them all from one source, or are you getting different countries? They're Italian blocks. And and what is it that's so special about a plateau versus an Ebishon? The plateau is on the outside of the root ball, so you actually get the skin on the top of it. It can allow you to get more of the straight grain on the pipes, and if it goes sideways and you have to blast it, then you'll get the real nice ring grain on it. When you get the cross grain or Ebishon blocks, you're going to get the real beautiful... Uh, bird's eye on either side and then you'll get the cross grain usually on either end and it seems that most people like straight grain as opposed to the bird's eye i like both of them coming from a woodworker background i like both but most of the time i'm working with the the plateau blocks and in your free time, what are you, well, what free time, but um, in your free time, what are you doing besides elk hunting? I enjoy fly fishing and then shooting, archery, different outdoor sports. So you're outdoors as much as you can as long as the, uh, as long as the weather will let you. Whenever I can get out there, I, I try and get out there. Uh, the problem is here, it's so hot in the summertime, yeah. it's usually over 100 degrees every day. And so 
You don't do too much in the afternoons. Well, you can do whatever you want as long as it's laying under a tree in the shade or sitting in an air conditioning in an air conditioned room. Exactly. Uh, about how many pipes a year do you think you can make? Right now, I'm running roughly about, I want to say, 70 pipes. When I started working with Chris Morgan, he taught me to slow down and be more meticulous and make sure every part of the pipe is correct, especially the engineering, to make sure that it's going to smoke good. And then, uh, how do we, besides your website, where else can we uh, see your pipes? What pipe shows can we uh, run into you at? I usually, uh, the last couple of years, I've been at Chicago show and also the Vegas show. And I'm going to try and get back next year to the Columbus show. And uh, don't go to the zoo. They won't let you smoke there anymore. Well, that's why I was planning on going. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Jim, we'll uh, wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answers, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes, sir. What is your favorite pipe? It's a pipe my father made. He's only made about a dozen of them, but he uh, hand-carved this one and put maple leaves on either side of it. And uh, I, I smoke it just about every day in the shop. And what is your favorite tobacco? I have commitment commitment issues with tobacco, but I'm going <laughs> to go with uh, Cornell and Deal, Old Joe Krantz, followed by Haunted Bookshop. All right, what do you mean commitment issues? Do you keep bouncing around on them or cheating on them behind their backs? When I'm in the shop, I'm usually smoking Old Joe Krantz. When I'm out of the shop, I'm usually smoking something else, either Cajun Cake or uh, Hotto's Delight or Haunted Bookshop. And if I'm down at the, the pipe uh, club or down at the pipe store, down at the briar patch, I'm usually smoking something else. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? All the above. Because I don't think you do relax, do you? Not really. I've only probably had a chance to sit on the back porch with Dad twice in the last four months. <laughs> and just to prove that I'm not perfect, I goofed up the order, so we'll back up and go, uh, what is your favorite drink? Templeton Rye. Really? You actually like Templeton? Love it. Wow, I found the other person that buys it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I always have it on hand, so when you come to visit, you can have some. Yeah, that or the, uh, or the 1910 Rye, or those are my two favorites. Uh, especially, nice. especially now that it's getting to be wintertime again. Um, hey, that sounds good. All right, we'll we'll hurry this up so I can go have a drink. Uh, last question: Any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? That's a tough one because the one where I got to make my first pipe with Mark Tinsky it has to be number one, and number two would be the first time I went to the Chicago Pipe Show and walked in and looked at all the tables. Yeah. So, what did you think of the pipe show? Absolutely amazing, and I can't stress it enough. If you can get to a pipe show, please go. It's unreal. You get to talk to people that are in the industry. You get to talk to artists and pipe makers, and you can learn a lot of stuff. You can meet people. You can see and pick up the pipes instead of having to look look at them on the Internet. It's just amazing. I love going to the pipe shows. Before that Chicago show, were you making pipes already? Yes, sir. I'd been making them, I want to say, about a year and a half before the first time I went to Chicago. So do you do you remember, was there a pipe in particular that stuck out that you were just, like, amazed at how it was made or a, a situation like that? I would have to say this year at Chicago, when we walked in, and they had that, that cabinet there with uh, the Iverson's pipes and... Uh, Yes, Konovic, and 
it, it was just unbelievable looking at those pipes. I just loved to sit there for a couple of days and be able to pull them out and look at every one of them. I took a bunch of pictures. <laughs> yeah, you you do get a chance to touch a few pipes and uh, fondle a few things and talk to people too. Yes, sir. It, it's amazing. I got to uh, meet Tom Eltang and got to meet uh, Lars uh, Iverson and. I mean, Ernie Markle, and then, uh, I mean, the list is too long for me to go down for all the pipe makers. It's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, even at the at the recent West Coast Pipe Show, I couldn't I couldn't have listed everybody that I got to hang out with or say hi to because it would have just taken up half the show and half the time out of that episode. So, I mean, it, you know, you're, you're right. And it is amazing to see those pipes in person versus seeing pictures of them on the Internet. Uh, but to see pictures of Jim's pipes, they're on the Internet. Check out JD Smoking Pipes. Uh, take a look through there. There's also uh, there's a gallery of your past work on there, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. And in the links page, I also have the retailers that carry my pipes. So go on there, check those out, or uh, holler at Jim. Jim, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> and, uh, and I forget, happy holidays to uh, all of you up there in uh, Northern California. Thank you very much. Back at you. We'll be back in just a minute. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and uh, I'll tell you, I, lo- I loved having Jim on with us because, uh, first of all, that area up there is uh, kind of special to me. It's near uh, Sutter's Mill, and uh, spent some summers up there, and just a, a beautiful part of the world, and a-, and a great time in my life. And at the same time, it's nice having somebody on that, you know, I'm smoking one of his pipes right now, and... He makes a makes a great smoking pipe and is just one one heck of a really good guy. So do check out his uh, website. All right, for music to kick off the holiday season, uh, we're going to uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen. I found a song that they did a while back. Don't know if it was released on one of their albums or not, but this is called uh, "Thank God It's Christmas." <laughs>
to me uh christmas music is uh is like pipe smoking uh christmas music has been done by all different genre of performers and done in their own way and it's enjoyable in their own way uh mostly to me and at the same time it's like uh, it's the same way i feel about pipe smoking if you smoke a pipe and you smoke tobacco in it and you enjoy it you know what that's perfect that's the way it should be and uh, you're a friend of mine alert one alert one incoming emergency action message in the mailbag a couple of things of importance that i want to bring to your attention immediately one good one bad uh the good one Pipes and Tobacco's magazine, in partnership with the Chicagoland Pipe Collectors Club and the Doctors of Pipes, is pleased to announce an annual award to acknowledge and encourage and honor select pipe smokers. This award will confer on deserving individuals the title Master of Pipes. Uh, the article goes on to say the Doctor of Pipes Award is well known. However, one requirement for consideration is that a pipe smoker be active in the pipe community for at least 20 years. This stipulation necessarily leaves out younger people who are doing great things. At the Doctor of Pipes meeting in Chicago in May, it was decided that this unintended uh, consequence would be rectified with a new award. As we all know, there are many people with less than 20 years in the hobby who deserve recognition. This award will have the same requirements as the Doctor of Pipes Award, except the service requirement is reduced to seven years, and an age cutoff will be stipulated in order to encourage the many younger pipe smokers who are so important to our community. Therefore, it is only open to individuals who are 40 years old and younger as of January 1st of the year of the award. Uh, new Doctors of Pipes are elected by the current population of doctors. The Master of Pipes will be awarded the same, except that P&T will be the front line for nominations, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine, to be submitted to that august body. Well, I'm part of an august body. Um, so here's, 
Here's how you do it. And you can go on to pipesandtobaccosmagazine.com and read this, but it says nominees must have at least seven de- demonstrable years in the hobby and or industry. They must prove their age is 40 years or less as of January 1st, 2017. They must be engaged in activities that promote pipes slash pipe tobacco and support the pipe community. Individuals may not nominate themselves, though their cooperation will be necessary. Two awards will be confirmed, conferred each year as with the Doctor of Pipes program. One award will be in the industry category for those working in pipes, such as retail manufacturing, distribution, pipe making, photography, publishing, anything that earns them a living with the pipe community. The other is for hobbyists, those that don't earn a living in the pipe community, I'm guessing. Um, recipients will be awarded at the CPCC Cigar Dinner during the Chicago Pipe Show each year. Attendance is mandatory. A committee chosen by Pipes and Tobacco's magazine will review nominations and submit five in each category to the Doctor of Pipes, who will review the candidates' qualifications and choose the winners each year. Masters of Pipes will be included in voting in the voting process in the future. At the show, each winner will receive a frame certificate, a medal, and lapel pins indicating their selection as a Master of Pipes. A Master of Pipes is eligible for a Doctor of Pipes award in the future. To nominate a deserving pipe smoker, send a letter enumerating the nominee's qualifications, including his or her contact information, especially telephone number and email address, birth date, and the length of time the person has been active in the hobby, to uh, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine and the information's on there. Um, nominations must be received on or before December 2nd, 2016. I'm going to guess there will be a little grace period in there. So what I'm asking you all in the next couple of days, if you know of somebody under the age of 40 that uh, has been in the hobby or on the trade side of it for the past seven years and has gone you know, above and beyond, their, uh, above and beyond the normal uh, pipe-smoking hobbyist routine, to uh, contribute to our community, please take some, take a time take some time write up a little biography on them, uh, get that information into Chuck Stanion, and uh, you know what we need to we need to help uh, develop the uh, the future doctors of pipes by uh, starting off with this masters of pipes. All right, uh, the not so good news. I got an email from Carol Burns at Pipeworks and Wilkie. And she told me that uh, based off of the her current uh, retirement schedule and her plan to move and the FDA and all that, that she has decided to uh, discontinue the pipe tobacco side of her business. So if you want something, go to her website as soon as you can. She will continue to do the pipe side of it, and uh, we'll still have that to look forward to. But again, those uh, those great Wilkie blends... Uh, last chance for you to get them and try them and uh, take a look at her website. All right, uh, Chuck emailed me asking me about my uh, primary pipe uh, packing technique, and uh, I realized I haven't covered it in a while, so here it is. In most cases, I use the traditional three the, the three pack method. You know, the first load loaded all the way from top to bottom try to, you know, and then push it down about halfway. The second load from halfway to top, push it down about two-thirds of the way, and then the last load about the last third on top and form an even flat spot. Now, what I will do to vary that is, on like a a ribbon cut, I try to get the longer pieces towards the bottom so that they stop all the little stuff from coming through. Uh, And then I try to get some little pieces for the top of the bowl to help ignite the bowl evenly and get a good clean burning surface. Uh, sometimes if I'm in a hurry, I'll just do the push and shove until it feels right and I'll leave it a little looser than I normally would because I know I'm in a hurry and I don't want to you know, sit down and pack and do it and do it the normal way. So I'll err on the side of looseness. Uh, remember, if you get a uh, if you get a bowl that's packed a little bit too tight, use your pipe cleaner, run it all the way up the stem into the bowl, and try to push some of that up. Or use the poker part of your tamper, which we all should have, and poke it straight in and try to open up an air hole in there. Uh, but again, I mostly use the uh, the three part 
packing technique and uh yeah in most situations i get down to the bottom of the bowl or get close to the bottom of the bowl um i am noticing on like a group five or larger pipe that recently i want to about two-thirds down the bowl or maybe for like the last quarter of the bowl i want to dump out the ashes and clear it out that helps me smoke that last bottom of the bowl a little bit better all right uh mailbag only one uh one post again this week and it's from dino and dino says i'm thankful for this wonderful program each week i'm thankful particularly for the fun conversation with brandon and the lovely ives variations this week nice show brian dino thank you very much uh remember if you've got a comment or a question you can post it right there on pipesmagazine.com on the uh, individual radio the episode page for each show or you can email me directly brian at pipesmagazine.com uh the other way you can get a hold of me on facebook yep follow me on facebook send me a message that's what uh chuck did uh, in fact, I think he also sent another message that said something to the effect that I've um, now screwed up the uh, Crazy Train song for him and that every time he hears it, he thinks the show's going to start. <laughs> I will kind of second that when I go to a football game or something and I'm out. Uh, no, that was Steve Davenport that wrote, uh, you know, you've listened to too many episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show when you're driving down the road and you hear the lead in to Crazy Train come on the radio and suddenly you find yourself disappointed when you don't hear coming to you via the internet. Yeah, same things happen to me at uh, football games. Uh, a lot of football games like to use Crazy Train for kickoffs. Well, I keep thinking, uh-oh, i got to do a show. No, I just have to sit back and uh, watch the uh, I just have to watch the football game. All right, so there's one way to uh, to get a hold of me is on Facebook. And uh, any suggestions for music? Please shoot them over to me there. We'll uh, play them. All right, in just a minute, holiday rave time. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic Cashmere, the sultry Licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino Red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. Cowboy. Cowboy. We don't buy new cars. Uh, the reason we don't buy new cars is because if you find a good, reliable one- or two-year-old or even an older car that's in good condition, we don't need to buy a new car because we don't need that new car warranty because we've got a great auto mechanic. Uh, John and his father, Mike, live in the area of a small shop, two lifts. It's just the two of them and then the occasional part-time helper. But one of the benefits to... Uh, Having uh, John and Mike is that John's the type of guy that he won't do any work on the car unless it's absolutely necessary. And if he's just not out to he's just not out to gouge anybody, he's out to take care of people that live in his neighborhood. He becomes a friend with everybody that comes in. We run into them in the na- in the area. His daughter goes to the high school that our daughter used to go to, so we see her everywhere you go. John or Mike is there, and it's always, hey, how are you, what's going on, goofing around with you, playing around. And because of them, we're able to buy cars that are in good condition, but know that we've got a good, honest, reliable mechanic that will not try to screw us over on anything. 
and will take care of the cars and only do absolutely what's necessary to the car. In fact, there's been a couple of times where he's held off on doing work on one of our cars, and he's told us that if you go online and order the part and bring it in, I'll do it, and it'll save you some money because you can buy the part cheaper than I can. Or he's even told me how to do them at home instead of bringing the cars into them. So if you're lucky enough and uh, grateful enough to have a really good, reliable mechanic that will take care of you and take care of your cars and treat you like you're part of the family, well, you're in a lucky spot and so are we. So if you find a good mechanic, stick with them. All right. Uh, any auto mechanics out there that are like that, uh, big shout out and cheers to you. All right, I want to thank Jim for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, brand new episodes every Tuesday, 8 p.m. East, Eastern time, all the way through the holidays. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to have you seen that new Santa they just hired? Yeah, he's back there drunk. <laughs> <laughs>